Hey, Ukraine Media family, Vladimir Prognevsky here, and I have a few quick announcements for you. Two things. First, Sergey will be presenting six sessions on After Effects at Adobe Max in Los Angeles, California this month. It will be October 15th through the 17th. If you happen to be there, we would love to meet up with you. And second, today's guest is Cameron Piron, aka Mr. Black. He's an award-winning freelance motion designer and the founder of Motion Science. Cameron is launching a freelance course this month. It is seven weeks long and it includes four live calls plus lots of bonus materials for download. Registration opened up yesterday, October 1st, and it will end on October 22nd. For more information, go to euchromedia.com slash Mr. Black. Again, it's euchromedia.com slash M-R-B-L-A-C-K. I just want to let you guys know that space is limited, so enroll today and save your spot. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Cameron Piron, a.k.a. Mr. Black. Enjoy. What's up, Ukramedia family? Vladimir Prognevsky here, and welcome to episode number 36 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve our Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Now, today's guest is someone super special. His name is Cameron Piron, also known as Mr. Black. Cameron is a designer and animator. He's the founder of MotionScience.tv. He has worked with some of the best talent and has produced animations for some of the biggest shops in the industry. Shops like Prologue, Digital Kitchen, Buck, and Super Fad. He has designed and animated for 343 industries. Wow. Cameron, welcome to the show and thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Man, you've been a busy man, you know, uh, just looking through all this, all your clients. I'm like, man, I wish I can just uh, read every one of them. But my gosh, it's like you can write a book with just all the clients that you worked with. Yeah, I could, yes. <laughs> but I'm excited to finally talk to you. My youngest brother, Dimitri, introduced me to your work and I was just blown away with the talent, experience. And I hear you have quite a journey, too. I read your blog a little bit here and there. And wow, you, it seems like you reinvented yourself over and over. And so I'm excited about uh, your journey to talk more about that. But for now, let's start from the very beginning, man. How did you get started in motion graphics? Oh, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> so since I was young, I always wanted to be a director, right? And I so I'd started like in like middle school making like short films on like Super 8 film, like not dating myself back then. Like there was actually VHS cameras back then. They were a new thing, but I went out and bought like a little home movie camera and just started making like little short films and got into high school. And I decided to try to make a music video. So I made this music video. People saw it. They loved it. And I was like, well, maybe I actually have some talent at doing this stuff. So next thing you know, I'm like set on going to the number one film school in the country, wow. US, USC. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to USC. Uh, there's no you know, there's no other option. So I apply to USC, I get accepted and I look at the cost of what it's going to you know, take to go to <laughs> USC and I freak out. My parents were like, you're on your own. You know, this is up to you. You got to figure it out. And, um, gosh, I just, I freaked out. So I'm like, I can't do this. I have no backup school. So next thing I know, I'm going to college in my hometown, Wichita, Kansas. And, I'm there for one semester. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> so I drop out of college. At the time, there's no, there's no motion design programs in college. Just keep that in mind. So this is like the mid 90s. And I drop out of college, get a job at a, a production house. And at this production house, I see this guy working with After Effects at the time. It was COSA 
After Effects or something along those lines. It was before Adobe bought him. Really intrigued about what this guy was doing. So my job was like rendering what he was doing to tape frame by frame. There was no rendering like QuickTimes, nothing like that at this point. So I would sit there all day long and, and render these animations to tape, one inch tape. And I was just, I don't know, I just, I, I'd never been really exposed to the, that world. And so it was just like, it kind of opened my eyes to like some other possibilities. So I was there for a year, decided that it was time for me to follow my dream and move to LA. Moved to LA, worked on some films for about a year, year and a half. It's totally broke. Moved back to my hometown, got a job at a local TV station just because I knew somebody. And at that job, a buddy of mine was working with After Effects like every single day. And I was just sitting there watching this stuff again. And I'm like, I've seen this stuff. It, it blows me away. And then G Monk came along, right? And the web was still like this, you know, in this infancy. And I was watching what this guy was doing. I was like, you know, what the hell? So <laughs> I just started teaching myself After Effects at night, right? And I bought a, a Mac computer, started teaching myself everything I could. YouTube didn't exist, so I couldn't, you know, study tutorials. Wow. And I made a demo reel after, gosh, I think it was two years into that job. I finally had a demo reel of spec materials, all spec work, and sent that off to a post house in a bigger city. They hired me, went to that job. And, you know, from there, I started working with higher level clients, people with more talent, and I learned off them. And for the most part, it was all like, you know, just me, like this trial and error of like, you know, here, this works, this doesn't work. And at that job, I was there for two years again, made another reel. And just on a whim, I sent it off to Prologue and Kyle Cooper called me like that very same day oh, wow. and uh, hired me remotely, remotely to freelance. And from, I quit my job, went freelance and the rest was history. Wow. What a journey. I love how you kind of just picked it up by yourself and you learn all these things before the age of internet. Now we have it so yeah. easy. Man. Yes. <laughs> now I'm curious about the name Mr. Black. Where does that come from? You know, everyone always asks me that. I don't, I mean, like in high school, I was like, I wasn't like super goth, but I was super into like nine inch nails and I wore a lot of black. <laughs> and so people were just like, I, I actually had some buddies that dressed up as, as Trent Reznor of nine inch nails for Halloween. And that was supposed to be me. You know, so like I was just Mr. Black. They just would start calling me Mr. Black and it kind of stuck with me. And then when I went freelance, I was like, I'll be AKA Mr. Black. <laughs> no, that's the, it's kind of like the first thing that came to mind was Johnny Cash, Man yeah. in Black or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm curious because, you know, you've had quite a journey and I'm sure there's so much that we can get into within your journey, but I'd love to hear what is your worst moment in your creative journey? Let's, let's start with that. Let's dig deep into that story first. Ooh. What's my worst? Ex um, gosh, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, man. No, I mean like, well, I mean, okay. So yeah, I know you're putting my spot. Well, I mean like going freelance. Um, so this isn't like a client experience, but what happened when, when I sent that reel off to prologue, I was working for a high end production house in Kansas city. And like, you know, we were known to be like the production house, right? Even though it's Kansas city, but I was so excited that Kyle Cooper wanted to hire me that I was like telling people I worked with. And the next thing I know, some producer found out and we were a pretty large shop and she goes and tells the owner of the company and the owner of the company actually called me into her office and was like, listen, it was kind of a really weird deal. 
she said, you know, you can either freelance here because I was moonlighting for him. So she's like, you can freelance here during the day and you can give us a cut of the profit and you, we can use the work on our reel or you can turn around and walk out the door right now. And like, you know, my lawyer's on the wow. phone. Yeah. And I was like, cause I had never, at that point I had never planned to go freelance full time. I just wanted to, you know, try it out and see, you know, where it went. Cause I had, I had always wanted to do better work. And that's why I reached out to Prolog cause like their work was amazing. So that was an you know, experience that I, I, I wasn't looking for. And it was just like a, a, you know, punch in my gut. And I was like, okay, well, I have no, I have no other options here. I'm, I'm freelance. I was newly divorced at the time with two small kids as well. And I had just bought my first home. So it was like, I got to make this work and just, you know, put my head down and go. And then I, you know, thank God I had a very successful freelance career. So. Wow. That's, man, that's a conversation to have with your boss. So you just said no to him and walked away? Yes. Man. And, and then you, well, but then you already had some work lined up. So it wasn't like completely going from a salary to nothing, right? No, but it was like, like I said, it was moonlight work, right? So it was, it was kind of like this part-time stuff that was just trickling in. Well, as soon as, and I had let, um, you know, I teach a class on freelancing and it's like one of those things that it's like when you moonlight, you have to let your client know that you are a moonlighter. You know, they can't be under the assumption that you're, yeah, totally transparent. And so they knew I was moonlighting. Well, as soon as I told them like, Hey, I'm available full time, they started, you know, sending me more work immediately. And so that worked out. And the funny part of the story is a couple months later, my previous employer who, you know, told me to get out was hiring me for freelance as well. So, <laughs> you know, I was reading through your blog and there's one quote that kind of stuck with me and said, I started at the bottom, climbed to the top, stayed there for some time, fell back down, and now I'm on top again. Uh-huh. And it sounds like there's been some kind of a, a big correction in your journey. <laughs> Love to hear about yeah. that correction. Yes. Okay. So this was in 2007 when I went freelance. And, you know, it was great for a long time. And in 2012, I think it was, or 11, I joined forces with another freelancer in Kansas City who was doing the same thing I was. He was remotely freelancing. His his work was on like the network side. Uh, he did a lot of work for like Oxygen and the WWE, things like that. And so we decided to join forces because we were tired of like, you know, it's like I could I could take on a part of a job. No one would give me the full blown project because I was one guy, you know, a freelancer. So we thought if we joined forces that we would get the entire project. Right. And that's actually what happened. But during my time, so we, we started this boutique company called um, Project Blackbird. And during that time, I got really lazy. And by lazy, like I'm just like creatively, I just kind of started checking out because uh, we hired a, a couple of employees to help us with things. And I just, I just, I don't know, it wasn't, it didn't work out for me. And three to four years into this thing, all of a sudden my finances are crashing down. My work sucks. I can't do anything new on a reel. And I just like, I mean, I hit rock bottom, you know, in this industry as a motion designer, it's just like, this sucks. Like, what have I done? And so I had a really difficult conversation with my partner and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I have to go back to doing my own thing. And that's what I did. I went back to freelancing, but at the same time, I started slowly building uh, motion science. Sounds like you got to kind of stay hungry and keep learning, never stop learning. I see a lot of bands, you know, once they get that success uh-huh. and they kind of become lukewarm, stop growing. And that's when it happens. So a lot of times people think, man, if only I, I can get to this level, then I can just chill, you know, let my uh-huh. guard down a little bit. But it sounds like you always have to have your finger on the pulse, so to speak, and 
just keep learning. Is, is that the conclusion you came to? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, you know, the work we were getting was paying us so well. And with their level of what they, you know, thought creatively was their top was like, you know, kind of in the middle for us. So it was just like, it was so easy. It's like, oh, we'll just sit back and collect the money and do this mediocre work and not have to stay hungry, like you said, you know, and not have to learn new techniques or new ways of doing things and just kind of pump this stuff out. And then after you do that for a few years, you're like, oh, well, you know, that was great. I made a lot of money doing this, but, you know, my work's not getting any better. And as you know, for me personally, I've always pushed myself. I've always, you know, strived to do more. I never want to settle. And for those three, two or three years, I did settle. And for, you know, it was just, it really brought me down. But it sounds like there has to be balance. Cause like, for example, I'm a family man. You're also, you have kids and you're, you're a family man. So for me, it's like, there's a, on the flip side, like if you're constantly, you know, looking for that next thing, you're constantly learning in a way it carries over to your family life. Like I don't know how to unplug anymore <laughs> because I'm mm-hmm. always looking to the next thing. Do you have a, a trick or advice for us how to balance your life to where you can leave work at work and transition to your personal life? Oh, that's, it's, it's always a challenge. It still is a challenge. I have times where I do better and times where it's, you know, not so great. You know, one of the things for me, like I've, I've had a coach for the past year and she's really helped me to, to like set, well, you know, for me personally, like working at home as well as a remote freelancer, like that is a challenge because I, I feel like I can work in the basement. I go upstairs to see my family, but I'm still not unplugged. I'll come back down, do some more work, go back upstairs. You know, it's constant all day long, right? So I may not start working until later in the morning, but then I'm taking three or four breaks throughout the day. And then it's by the end of the day, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm still working. So, you know, for me, the trick was setting a schedule for myself and actually writing that schedule out. And I found that if I actually scheduled like a block of six hours, right? So if that block of time was from like 12 to 6 p.m. or whatever time that is, if you schedule that time and during that time, I lock the door, I have, you know, headphones on so I'm not disturbed. I put my phone in another room. I don't check email and I just go at it for six hours and just, I don't stop and I do my thing. Yeah. I get, I get so much done in that six hours versus an entire day of coming and going, you know, cause like, you know, as a freelancer, I mean, you can get caught in that trap of working 10 hours easily a day and, you know, you have great work, but you can do that same amount of work in six hours. No, it's true. And I think Jim Rohn said it best. When you work, work. When you play, play, but don't mix the two. And I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. one of the problems because it takes you like 15 minutes to get back to work once you get distracted. So this time where you just black out for work, where you don't get distracted, I mean, it's amazing. Once you're in a zone, everything just perfect. Everything gets done efficiently, mm-hmm. but when you are constantly pulled back and that's when I find that it takes me 15 to 20, even 30 minutes just to get back to what you were doing, you know? Oh yeah. Like I always say 20 minutes. I mean, but yeah, it's like if the phone rings or an email or, you know, my daughter's knocking on my door. I mean, yeah, that's, that's 20 minutes each time that can add up to hours in a day. It's true. And that's why I like just getting up early in the morning before everybody else gets up and just knock as much stuff out. Even just like in two hours, it's amazing what you can accomplish two hours time where there's nobody distracting you. So that's a, that's a good takeaway for me. I'm going to be more intentional about what. So what time do you normally get up in the morning? I get up at six. My family yeah. usually gets up six or seven thirty eight ish. So sometimes I get like those two hours. And mm-hmm. if I'm super motivated, I'll get up even earlier. And just knock out those big things first, you know? And I feel like I'm most creative in the morning 
So do something that requires more creativity and everything else just kind of, you know, not as much creativity needed, then I'll just kind of space it out throughout the day. Yeah. Like I've, I've tried, uh, the five thirty AM, 6 AM stuff where it's like, I, I would get up, I would journal, I would meditate for 10, 15 minutes. And then I would, you know, do some exercise and then go straight into my day. And I would get a lot of things done. But for me, I've realized that a lot of my creativity comes later, especially, mm-hmm. you know, later I agree in the with day. That as well. Yeah. So I'm still trying to find that balance. This year has been more about me working late morning to early afternoon. But, you know, it's always, it's like, I think everyone is different. No, and there's no, you know, how you, if you listen to all these like Gary V's of the world and they tell you like, oh, morning, what's the miracle morning book? You should do it this way. But uh-huh. it's, it's so easy to get caught up in that. But I learned that you just got to work with what works for you. And if you're a family man, like I have two and a half year old and a five year old and two and a half year old's uh-huh. not sleeping well. One yep. sleepless night can throw you off. And then that guilt, shame that comes in like, oh man, I missed first, you know, that schedule that I set up for myself. And then you're all over again. So you just got to be very flexible with whatever yes. comes away. I mean, that's the yes. only way. To I, I agree, man. I totally agree. I, my, so I've got a 20 year old, a 19 year old, a 15 year old and a four year old. Wow. Yeah. Huge <laughs> range. And like, you know, I've, I've seen it with the, with the older kids. Like, you know, I did not unplug like that was, you know, I feel guilty about that. Like you said, like there were so many times where I just, I couldn't unplug. I worked a lot of their childhood and now I'm, you know, like we still have a great relationship, but I feel like now with my four-year-old, I get to kind of redo it and, you know, try something different and, you know, make sure you, you do, do unplug. That guilt that comes with not unplugging, like I can be with my kids, but not be with my kids. If you know uh-huh. what I mean, you know, that's uh, they're trying to show you stuff when you're thinking, especially being a business owner and self-employed and stuff. You think about that next thing and, ah, man, the, the struggle is real. And I feel like there's no real, <laughs> there's no real technique that you can apply other than, trial and error. And that's, it sounds like it's been your journey is trial and error, just trying yes. things and reinventing yourself constantly. And, and you mm-hmm. mentioned something earlier that I want to circle back to you. You mentioned that you have a coach and it's interesting. I interviewed Chris Doe and Joey Corman, all of them have coaches. And mm-hmm. what made you go that route as well? Um, it was essentially because I felt like my life was just pulled and, you know, I was going in a thousand different directions all the time. And I put myself last always. And when you put yourself last, this is what I've learned, you know, putting yourself last, you're actually, it's, it is detrimental to your entire life and your personal and your business. Because if you, if you don't put yourself, um, I mean, some like parents will argue with me, well, you got to put your kids first, or you got to put your, you know, your wife first. But if you're not taking care of yourself, then you have nothing to give to anybody else. Yes. Right. So, yeah. And it's still challenging to do that. But like, so my life was just like, you know, personal and business was just all over the place. And so I decided, um, a friend of mine referred me to this coach and I started working with her and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. I mean, just with my life all around. And I'm actually on a break from my coach right now because it was so intense for the past year. And I'm starting, it was like I, when I took that, when I started the break in July, end of July, I was like, yes, I need the break. I can just go back to doing my thing. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm ready for coach to come back. I need some guidance. But I think it's very important to have one. You know, something you said earlier that you have to take care of yourself first. You know, when you fly, you know, doesn't matter what airline, they always say in case of an emergency, what do you do? You help yourself first before uh-huh. you help others. 
And I feel like that's, that's kind of how it is in life. If you, first, if you're not healthy, you can't help others. Like you got to first right. help yourself to help others. And that's so true. And I try to m- remind myself as well, but coaches, man, there's something that appeals to me, you know, that they have that perspective that that's kind of how I view my wife. She has the, as a coach, she has that perspective, you know, those blinders that we put on ourselves. But a lot of times the criticism that I get from my wife, I always try to run every podcast, everything that I do by her, because I know I'll get honest opinion and feedback. And so sometimes it's not what I want to hear, but sometimes it's exactly what I need to hear. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's I transition to transition to something else. We talked about uh, some of the negative things of your journey. Let's talk about your best project that you worked on to date. Oh man. And you worked on a lot. I know you have. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like, well, I really enjoyed, actually, when I first went freelance, I worked on the MTV Video Music Awards. Oh, wow. Um, that was awesome. That was such an awesome experience. That was working with uh, Danny Yaunt, or Yaunt, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he is one of my inspirations and always has been. And just getting to work with that guy and just so much creativity going into that project was was so much fun. Also... Working with, um, believe it or not, working with Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I saw um, that. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of his music. I don't, you know, I a buddy of mine is like a huge fan of him, but just working with him and his situation is unique because he is this manager. He's had all of his career, and it's just the two of them, and they make all the decisions, right? And so, like that was so much fun too because they were like, just take your style and just run with it and do your thing. And, you know, that was awesome as well. So those two come to mind immediately. But actually what I enjoy the most right now is the stuff I do through motion science because people love my style and I can create anything I want to create. There's no like limit on what I can do. freedom in that. Yeah. And it's like, I've missed that for so many years and now I can just create just to create, you know, I'm back to being an artist and that's, what's really uh, fulfilling to me right now. Man, that's awesome. And my brother, that's how he discovered you, he discovered you through that. You know, so he told me, he was the one that sent me messages like, dude, you got to interview this guy. This guy is amazing. He's great. And I looked at your stuff. I'm like, yeah, I should interview this guy. <laughs> He's great. <laughs> you know, but let me ask you a few questions because uh, let's see, there's some questions I want to ask. I want to ask who are your influencers, man? Who are, are some artists that you personally follow and look up to? Well, Danny Yawn. I mean, he's always the first one. Are you familiar with his work? Not, I mean, I've heard of the name, but not mm-hmm. Um, So he used to be the creative director at uh, Prologue. And um, he's since gone off and done, done his own company. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but he's a huge influence. Um, who else? Um, well, musically, I, I get inspired a lot by musical artists. I still love Nine Inch Nails. I mean, like they, those guys inspire me. Like I hear their music and I can just see these visuals in my head, you know? So music is such a big, big part of inspiring, you know, inspiration to me. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Chris B-J, B-J-E-R-R-E. He's a 3D animator. He works a lot with Danny Yaunt. If you go on like Behance or Instagram, he's all over the place. Uh, of course, Ash Thorpe. I yes, love his work. He was recently on Motion uh, School of Motion podcast. He was interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. I need to check that one out. He's he's amazingly talented. And G-Monk. I love G-Monk. <laughs> nice. You know, always have. 
Now, we, we have a lot of people listening to the show that are younger. They're trying to get in the industry either in college or trying to get to college. You know, I'm curious, uh-huh. what is the best advice that you can give someone who is just now graduating from college? Um, I would say, so when I had Project Blackbird, I would interview a lot of, not a lot, but I would talk to, you know, several art school students who just recently graduated looking for jobs. Some of them in person, some of them, you know, through the phone. And what I found was that they just didn't seem to have a whole lot of like what I would call real world experience. Now, of course they were in school, right? But they would come out and a lot of them would have like the same portfolio pieces um, which, you know, I respect that their, their professor tells them to make X and here's your three pieces for the year. But for me, it's like a student should take the initiative to create what they want to create, you know, on their own time and really put a lot of, you know, creativity and time and effort into that and just create what they want to create something they're proud of. And then by doing that, they're also getting more experience because I would also be shocked by guys would come in, you know, and they're after effects artists and they don't, no after effects right <laughs> which was just shocking to me i'm like so you went to school for four years you're a motion designer but you can kind of get around in, in after effects but i feel like you should know so much more for what you've paid to go to art school you know and for your degree so i guess it's just more more experience and they can get that experience by just creating spec work i'm a huge proponent of create as much spec work as you can no that's interesting that you say that because my twin brother sergey who does all the tutorials for Ucromedia, he, while he was in college, he did the stuff for Speed TV, he did stuff for Fox. So he was very motivated. And you know, I think that you have an advantage when you're a college student. When you reach out to these places and you say you're a college student looking for some, you know, even if it's free work, people will jump in on that opportunity just to, you know, who doesn't want to help a college student, right? And so he was uh-huh. able to build up a portfolio and on his, I remember on his uh, final demo reel that he was supposed to present to all the professors, he had stuff that he personally worked on from real world, from Fox, from Speed and all this stuff. So anyway, because of that, he was able to get some good gigs. So I think it's possible. You, you're right. It's uh, you get as much real world experience as possible. It will just, it will serve you well. Uh-huh. Now share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. Well, um, I would go back to, um, you know, taking that block of time and just said, you know, I, I let my family know that there's no exceptions. Like, uh, my wife's a real estate agent and her schedule can, you know, vary quite a bit. She's got to go show houses. Right. So I'm like, but my time is on the family. We all share a calendar. My time is on the calendar and that's my time to do what I need to do. You know? And so blocking that time, that's been a huge, you know, such a positive for my business life. Also, I just started getting back into shape about a year ago and I can't believe how much of a impact it's had on my, you know, my, like just, I just feel better. I have more energy just working out twice a week. That's, that's all it takes. I actually hired a personal trainer to do it. And he's like, you just need two days, just two days, an hour for those, you know, two hours a week. And it will make such a a change in your life. I have more energy I'm more focused when I need to be focused. And then I'm a huge, also just a huge, um, I, I believe in healthy eating. So the healthier you can eat, the the more focused again you're going to be. 
Man, uh, that's something I struggle. You know, I moved to the United States as a refugee and I come from a family of nine children. We kind of grew up very poor, you know, we pretty much grew up on like rice and potatoes. And I always jokingly say that I guess we were vegetarians before we knew that was a thing, right? (laughs) So when I moved to the United States, man, and there was so much abundance in food and I remember just, man, my weakness is just food in general. And I literally like someday I can't, I'm like that horse. You know, if you leave all the hay, the horse will leave, will eat it all. You know, I don't know when to yeah. stop. Like if there's nothing in the in the house, I won't eat. But if there's like my wife, like she, she can really control herself. She'll buy all these sweets and she'll just eat one. And I, I don't know how she does it. Like it's a talent that I haven't learned, you know? Anyway, so that's the biggest one for me. And I literally have to fast for like one or two to three days just to recover from overeating. Mm-hmm. Struggle is mm-hmm. real, man. The struggle, but mm-hmm. you're right, man. It's, it affects you so much, health and everything. Just it's like the Titanic effect. You know, if if one thing is healthy, it carries over to another. You know, like those departments get filled up, and and man, if you have your food stuff down, if you can control that, if you have your fitness, it affects everything. Oh yeah, I mean, like I was a heavy smoker for 18 years as well. Like you know, smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, and I'm like. You know, I, that was I was being an artist, right? I got to stop, step out, and have my smoke, and think. You know, and it's like, you know, I loved that, but then it's like I, it started catching up with me. I started feeling all these like nerve issues in my hands, and you know, and, you're, and I'm I'm a still I use the mouse, right? I don't use the tablet, and so I started really feeling it, and I was like, okay, this got to be cut out too. So that was, you know, five years ago. Like, thank God. How did that go? Was it cold turkey? I quit thirteen times. <laughs> But the so third no. one worked out. The thirteenth worked out, yeah. But it's funny because the thirteenth time is when I actually like changed my diet, and uh, you know, I believe in like an al- more alkaline diet. Now, my favorite food is still like a cheeseburger, right? Mm, that but good. if you, yeah, I know, right? I can I can eat a cheeseburger any any meal. But if I changed my diet and I started supplementing, and uh, it was like easy to quit smoking the thirteenth time, so. And how yeah. long have you been smoke free? I think it's like five years or wow, something congrats, like that. Man. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. No desire to smoke again ever. <laughs> like, you know, I think it's something that's like a previous generation thing. I think my generation kind of dropped that. Maybe. I don't know. Well, now like my 19 and 20 year olds, like their friends vape, which, you know, it's like I've heard vaping is actually worse. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, that's what some of the science is saying. There's no official things about it, but uh, that seems to be what people are saying. Well, man, Liz, I want to ask you a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up, man. So the next question I want to ask is recommend an internet resource that you find helpful. Could be your own. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, motionscience.tv. So if you want to uh, learn to be a, um, you know, just better at your craft, that's what we try to do at Motion Science for inspiration. I love, love, love Pinterest and Instagram. So like I get so inspired, um, especially by Instagram lately, just the fact that you can search hashtags. Like if I'm looking for something grungy or neon, whatever it is, you know, searching the hashtags on there, you can do the same thing on Pinterest, but I feel like on Pinterest, it gets kind of stale sometimes. Like you see the same images over and over again, but those are my two places. And then Behance is, you know, honest, like it, it always has great work on Behance, but for me, it's Pinterest and Instagram most of the time. Now I'd love for you to briefly just talk about your course. That's something my twin, my uh, youngest brother was talking to me about. He's like, man, you want to make sure you have him talk about the course. So uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Which one? Oh, you have several. I have several. So there's, okay. So 
when I started motion science three, well, I started it three years ago, two years ago, I got more serious about it. And I created these three like mini courses, typography 101, and then beyond the parallax effect and main title design. So unless you're on like the email list for motion science, you'll never see those courses, but people love them. I mean, it's the kind of like main title design is just how to create titles. It's from like, from the creative brief all the way to the fin to the, you know, to the designing to the finished animation. It's the whole kit and caboodle. Um, <laughs> and then typography 101, it's um, just like a 20 minute short class. It teaches you about all things typography in the style of my 3D camera techniques video. Have you seen that? Yes. So people love that video just because it's it's a training tutorial series, but it's done differently, right? It's it's like, it's beautiful to watch. It's It's very slow paced. But it's just, it's very in-depth and it's not boring because it's like, that's why I when I first started this, just going on a tangent really quick, when I started motion science, I got really bored with all these tutorial and trainings that I was seeing on YouTube. And it was just like the same stuff over and over again, right? And it's just like, and there was so much fluff in them is like what I like to say, like, just, it's like you could have edited it down to this, this, and this, like from 20 minutes down to five. So I set out to make a tutorial that was beautiful to watch, but very in-depth and you could walk away from it and you'd know everything you need to know about that subject. And I'll make sure to include everything you mentioned in, our, in the show notes below the, the MP3 files. Anyway, continue. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I want to hit a million views on 3D camera techniques. That would be amazing. I'm at like half a million almost, I think. Wow. Yes. That's exciting. When you spend so much time creating something and it's like people start, you know, finally watching it. It's, it's pretty exciting, but and then there was also created Beyond the Parallax Effect, which is like a two-hour training series about how to go beyond typical parallaxing effects. I cover like several techniques on how to do it. it just It's beyond what you would typically, if you were to YouTube, how to do parallaxing. It goes be, way beyond that. And then um, I teach a course, a big course on, uh, it's called the Freelance Effect, and it's how to go remote freelance. It's a seven-week course. Wow. Yeah, and it's like... There's all these modules of videos, but then there's a live component to it as well, um, where we, it's me and the group, and we talk about, you know, specific freelance things uh, that pertain to you. And then um, my newest big thing is called Stylecraft, and it's a membership. It's a one-year membership. It's 52 weeks of training, and it's a monster. And it just, I've got my first group. They started a month ago. And so far it's awesome. And it's just, it teaches you how to be, uh, how to create style within the craft of, um, you know, After Effects and Cinema 4D using those two programs. So people love it. It's, I'm having a blast creating the content for it and definitely check it out. We're going to open up another session uh, beginning of next year. Wow, man. How do you do all this? <laughs> You're a busy man. That's crazy. I don't, I just don't know how you do it with all the kids that you have and all the clients that you have. And yeah, you, you must, you must have figured it out. There must be a, well, then again, you have coaches. So maybe, that, maybe that's what I need yeah. to look into. Well, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot, but see, I'm trying, my goal is to transition out of freelancing and just do motion science full time. That's the goal. So it's getting there pretty quickly, which definitely. is awesome. Well, and last question, how can people get in touch with you? Um, the easiest way is, well, through social media. Um, I'm big on Instagram and YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, just motion science. 
Um, a lot of free trainings there, or you can just go to motionscience.tv and uh, put your information in and you'll get connected to me. All right, Cameron. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cameron. Make sure to check out Cameron's website, motionscience.tv. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ucoremedia.com slash 32. And while you're there, check out our course in After Effects Expressions. Over six hours of content, all for you. Check out ucoremedia.com slash expressions. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ucoremedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media Podcast. Bye-bye.